Hello, welcome to my Substack. Well, this week, liberals are on their high horses because after telling us about a 10-year-old girl who was raped in Ohio, uh, but the gestational age of the fetus was three days over the six-week limit, which, you know, footnote, I don't think it can be determined that accurately. I think they were looking for a case. She had to go to Indiana for an abortion. Well, con many conservatives, even the Washington Post said, why is there no report of a rape? We don't think there's a 10-year-old girl at all. Uh, the attorney general of Ohio said he hadn't gotten any report of a rape. Well, there wouldn't have been a report of a rape. It was an illegal alien, an illegal alien from Guatemala. And police prosecutors and the media don't tell us about those. But the abortion ladies let the cat out of the bag on this one. And I'm never going to stop talking about it. My book, Adios America, which I wrote after noticing um, for one, what was going to be one short chapter on immigration, how everyone is hiding immigrant crime from us, all kinds of immigrant crime. There's credit card fraud. There's human smuggling. Uh, there is a lot of sex crimes, a lot of sex crimes, particularly, and I'd say about a third of my book is on child rape. We're bringing in backward primitive cultures uh, where the respect for women and children is not renowned, uh, particularly Hispanics, Muslims, Indians. We had Bali Laki Reddy, uh, an, an Indian kazillionaire who brought in pre-adolescent sex slaves to live with him here in America. Eventually, a high school newspaper uncovered the sex ring. Uh, that Bali Lucky Reddy was running. I think that's his name. It's in my book. Um, yes, a high school newspaper. They hadn't gone to Columbia Journalism School to learn. Never report on immigrant crimes, especially the child rapes. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't report on something like that. So the high school newspaper breaks the case wide open. Uh, Bali Lucky Reddy was, was in fact prosecuted. But you're paying for all of the sex slaves now. Instead of sending them back, oh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, counseling, um, homes, food, medical care. Uh, why don't we just reform our immigration system and not bring in these people? I mean, it's one thing. It's bad enough that we don't tell immigrants to, to, to learn English. Could we at least insist that they give up on the child screwing? Can we really just draw a line in the sand on that one? No, well, most people heard about this 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio and, and said, um, found the story implausible because having grown up in America, um, it would be a very unusual, unusual crime for white or black Americans. Um, and they don't know about the primitive immigrant cultures we're bringing in. Uh, where child rape is not unusual. They haven't read about it because it hasn't been reported. Um, and number two, there were, no, there were no rape reports on this, and there would never have been. There would not have been a crime report. As you probably know, the mother of the 10-year-old does not want the crime reported. She is defending the rapist of her 10-year-old daughter, uh, probably her brother. 
It's often a family affair, as you will see from the many, many cases cited in my book, uh, in addition to the many ways the media hide it from us. So first, it was a very unusual crime. And then the abortion ladies took the position that, and we're not going to tell you anything about it. We're not, you're going to have to trust us. Uh, but most people said, no, we're not going to trust you based on your track record. Uh, then suddenly they were forced to produce the child rapists. And at that point, most Americans said, oh, oh, it's an illegal immigrant. Now I understand. The, the abortion ladies are very much at cross purposes <laughs> with the open borders crowd. Usually they're, they're working together. So no, you were never supposed to know this was an illegal immigrant or an immigrant of any kind. The Ohio Attorney General, Dave Yost, for example, um, whom the left has been like fist bumping because he said, my office hasn't received a report of this. I, I have no reason to think this child rape actually occurred. Um, Dave, that's because child rape by immigrants doesn't get reported. The abortion ladies ran off on their own. I don't know why liberals are fist pumping on this. Okay, the abortion ladies got themselves a 10-year-old rape victim. Um, but can we go back to why we have this, this epidemic of child rape in America that you are not being told about? In writing my book, I had to come up with a lot of tricks to find out if, if the rape or child rape was committed by an immigrant. Um, what, would, what would first raise my suspicions was, was uh, there, there are five things you want to look for if in an in a Ohio man arrested for child on suspicion of child rape. Uh, one is... Um, the sexual crime will be particularly disgusting, such as the rape of infants younger than 10 years old, um, the rape of a family member, long ongoing incest cases. That's one. Um, the, next, the next giveaway will be if the, the suspect uh, has absolutely no remorse and can't understand why anyone thinks he did anything wrong. Uh, the third thing to look for is the family members of the child rape victim don't think the victim or the, the rapist did anything wrong. Uh, the fourth item is, if you get a name of the suspect, it's a name that would not have appeared in an American phone book in, in the 1960s. Uh, and finally, all the news reports will refer to the suspect. And when I say all the news reports, we're usually lucky if we get one local news report. We'll refer to the suspect as man, which I found enormously helpful. Uh, the way I would usually track the cases down, they'd have to be a few years old, is go find the court transcripts. And um, you can control F to look for the word translator or ICE. <laughs> but you'll have, you know, some probably high school newspaper reporter, a young green reporter who hasn't been taught yet that you're not supposed to ask about the immigration status of, of the perpetrators of heinous sex crimes, asking, uh, is he an immigrant? Is he a citizen? Is he here legally? And then we get this high-minded ignorance from the police, from the prosecutors, I don't know. I don't know. Why would you ask? Uh, 
We don't deal with immigration. We have no idea. Was the translator in the courtroom a hint? This has been going on for 20 years, and what we cannot discuss, we can at some point no longer conceive. If there is any hope for saving our country, we have to be able to discuss the cultures of the people we're bringing in. As, uh, as one open borders zealot from the Clinton administration, I think it was, um, remarks, instead of asking immigrants to assimilate to our culture, we're going to have to do a little assimilating to their culture. Well, look forward to a lot more child rapes. Maybe the feminist um, abortion zealots and the open borders crowd could get together and push for a bill, abortion only for immigrants. That would solve the problem right there. Now that Democrats have, much to my surprise, uh, come out against child rape, you'll be hearing a lot about who's doing the raping from me in the next few weeks. And I do recommend you read Adios America, but I got a lot more cases than that. Unsafe. Unsafe. Every fact and culture states got every live out there feeling unsafe. Make like a Mr. Milk Toast, you'll get shut out. Hey folks, welcome back. I'm Eric Metaxas and I'm sick as a dog, but I don't care because we've got John Smirak here. And John, this time I'll simply interrupt less because I don't have the energy. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, Eric, we, we want your energy. We want you to be healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you've got monkeypox and you know what you did to earn it. Well, can I tell you something? The doctor, and I thought this weird before he told me what I had, he prescribed uh, a tire swing and I said, a tire swing? What? What? Oh, my God. I, I, I thought that that was like some kind of a medical term. But he says, no, an actual tire swing. Uh, when you've got monkeypox, you need to just work out that simian energy. And <laughs> and so I'm just uh, I, I have to today uh, go to Home Depot or something. I got I've got to find a tire and some rope uh, because monkeypox is a serious thing, John. OK, we don't make fun of one point oh 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 two percent of the population might have it. That's 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 end time stuff. OK, and, and, and that's bodies it, in the streets. OK, John. And when it's spread only by absolutely essential activity, such as all male anonymous sex orgies. I mean, we can't prevent not, that. Not we that can we're close churches. Not that we're we can judging. close businesses. We can lock people in their homes, but we can't stop massive gay sex orgies because that is sacred. And there are certain things we don't I am. Um, I'm glad you made that point. Now, listen, uh, you've got a lot to share. At some point in this hour, I forgot to tell Albin because I'm so out of it. I'm all drugged up. Uh, one of the most disgusting things I've ever experienced in my life happened this weekend, and I wanted to share that with the group. Can I share that with the group at some point? But first, yes, let's it- talk about important stuff. And maybe in the next segment or, or the one after that, I will share the really disgusting thing that happened. OK, go ahead. I'm all about that, Eric. I'm reminded of the pillow, the couch pillow I once saw. It said, if you don't have anything nice to say about anyone, come sit by me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. OK, John, what are the articles you've written? What should we talk about, my friend? Well, um, 
I did I did a piece that I, I, I'd like to call people atten- its attention to. Are the Democrats ruled now by demons? The 10-year-old rape victim story might prove it. Do you did we not we didn't talk about that last week? Oh no, no, it's it was published just three days ago. Well, I mean, I know I read it, but I don't remember if we spoke. No, we about didn't it. talk about it. It didn't exist yet. Um, okay, share share this happy news. Go ahead. Do you remember when Joe Biden brought out the story of a 10-year-old girl who was raped and became pregnant and allegedly had to flee the state of, I think, Ohio because she, she they, there were protective pro-life laws there that prevented her from getting an abortion. Right. That was the story that the yeah. president of the United yeah. States gave. Right. Then for several days, it seemed like it was a hoax because nobody could find any information about it. I was thinking maybe Hunter was the dad because how did Biden know about this? But then it came out. The facts came out. The facts were very different from what Joe Biden presented. And once the real facts started to emerge, the media shut up about the story and stuck it down the memory hole. First thing, the state of Ohio does have a rape exception in its pro protective pro-life laws, a very wide rape exception. Most rape exceptions, the way pro-lifers write the laws are way too wide. You could drive a medical waste truck through those loopholes. Anybody who just comes and says, I was raped. Oh, all right, fine. We're not going to ask any questions. Um, I mean, it's tragic that we have to allow any exception in a a pro-life law to protect the unborn. But if political reality dictates that we can't get a complete protection for unborn children and we have to allow loopholes for things like rape, then they need to be narrow and they need to be real. It needs to be like within four weeks of the incident, you must make a police report and the procedure must be okay, done but, but as you're, soon as possible. But you're getting, you never do this, but you're getting far afield from, from the, the Okay, the case. well, let's get back to the story. The case um, is a 10-year-old. Joe Biden claimed that a 10-year-old was raped and she had no place to go because of the, the, the anti-abortion people like you and me who don't care about anything. Right. Uh, okay, so he claims this. All right, that, all right. Ten year old is raped. We want the details. We're not getting the details. And then we get the details. All right. And the details are, first of all, Biden was lying. Abortion is legal in Ohio in the case of rape. Secondly, uh, the rapist was an illegal immigrant. One of the people Biden's letting into the country by the millions to the southern border. Okay, so wait, no, no, no. But that's part of the reason the story was squashed, because right. the narrative suddenly doesn't look good. It's an illegal immigrant who raped a 10 year old girl. So now they shut up about it because they don't want to besmirch illegal immigrants. But it gets worse. Then it comes out that the woman who did the the doctor who did the abortion, the abortionist lied to police and said that the 20 something or 30 something rapist was 17 years old in order to evade the legal requirement to report it to the police. So she's covering up the rape of a 10 year old girl. Okay, so let's be clear again. Now you've got other people involved. Uh, So so it's one thing for the for the media establishment. It's one thing for the president of the United States to be pushing forward this confusing, sick narrative. But now you're telling me that when this rape of a 10 year old was reported, what was reported to police? 
she when the mother dragged her daughter to get an abortion, the doctor should have reported it to police because it was a rape. Instead, she lied and said that the man involved was under seven was 17 or under so that it would evade the reporting laws. So it was not reported to police. Would a doctor be liable for something like that? Because I got to say, that's that's an amazing thing that a doctor would do a thing like that. Not that an abortionist would. Abortionists are the butchers of the medical field. People who do abortions for a living are pond scum. Other are, doctors don't even want to have coffee with them. Are they, they nonetheless liable for things like this? I, I don't know. I don't know Ohio okay. state law, but it gets okay. worse. Then it comes out. The mother is defending the rapist and saying that he shouldn't be prosecuted. Now, I thought, what the hell's going on there? Why is the mother sticking up for the guy who raped her daughter? My first thought, being charitable, maybe the guy's in a drug cartel and she's afraid of retaliation. But no, no. The rapist is her boyfriend, is the mom's boyfriend. So the mom was covering up for the man who was raping her daughter because that was her boyfriend. And that's the whole story. So What the pro-choicers want is to leave in place abortion on demand in all nine months for any reason on the pretext of protecting 10-year-old girls like this. But in fact, the laws they support make it possible to drag the kid in to have an abortion, whether she wants it or not. She's 10 years old. Use that to cover up the fact that she was raped. Use that and use the, the lying abortionist to cover up the rape itself so that the boyfriend could still live with the mother and continue to rape the little girl. That's what the left stands for. OK, this is so evil. There's no other word, folks. Evil. This is evil. The rape, systemic rape of a 10 year old girl in a home being protected by journalists, by the quote unquote medical establishment This is as wicked as it gets. And what we know what it is, John, this is actual racism. In other words, there are people, usually white liberal people who say, you know what? That's just how those brown people live. That's what they do. They have a different culture. They uh, they come into the country. They live together. They rape the kids. But it's none of our business. Yeah, it's none of our business. Who are we to impose our white American standards on them now? In a fair, free country, uh, we would not allow this. But this is actual racism. This is the bigotry of low expectations, putting it mildly. It is evil. And uh, we we need to call it out. So you call it out in the article at stream.org. What is the title of your article? The title is, Are the Democrats Ruled Now by Demons? The 10-Year-Old Rape Victim Story Might Prove It. And I have links in it to the full journalistic account of what happened to this poor little girl who, as far as I know, is still living with the mother who was pimping her out to her boyfriend. So thanks to all this press attention, at least the rapist is being prosecuted. And the mother is heartbroken that her daughter's rapist, her boyfriend, might go to jail. This is the kind of quality people Joe Biden is welcoming to our country by the millions. They're not sending us their best. Yeah. To quote my favorite president. Um, okay, so this is real. Has the mainstream media covered this at all? Has anybody covered this besides you and stream.org? 
Yes. Well, I want to tell you that a good journalist actually did the digging to come up with all the facts. And let me give you the information on her to find that. The the reporter is Mia Cathell, C-A-T-H-H-E-L-L, Cathell, Mia Cathell. And it was at townhall.com, a conservative website. Well, there you go. Townhall.com. We're going to go to a break. More ugly stuff. Some of it will be entertaining. Uh, I've got a disgusting story I'd like to share with the group, you know, just to get it off my chest. We'll be right back. It's the Eric and Taxes Show. Don't go away. Welcome back. It's the Eric Metaxas Show. I have a cold, a summer cold, they tell me. It's kind of like summer wine. Uh, it's kind of kind of a sweet idea. It's a summer cold, but I feel really miserable. I'm all drugged up. If I say anything wrong, it's the, uh, the acetaminophen. John Zmirak, you've written an article about Steve Bannon and the show trial. For people who aren't up on this, give us the background. What ha- what's going on with Steve Bannon? Okay, well, we all know that the January 6th committee is a political kangaroo court. It's a Stalin style show trial. Uh, So far until this point, they mainly focused on people who had something to do with the protest on January 6th of our stolen 2020 election. People who were present, or at least people who were involved in planning it, or at least people who sent text messages regarding it to their friends. Steve Bannon had been out of the White House for three years. He had nothing to do with the events on January 6th. No one ever said he did. Nevertheless, this partisan stacked committee in Congress that doesn't allow cross-examination, doesn't allow responses, doesn't allow people to confront their accusers. They have secondhand hearsay, anonymous information. They're just monkeys throwing poop at the wall to see what will stick. Well, the monkeys on the January 6th committee issued a subpoena of Steve Bannon, demanding that he reveal the conversations he had in the White House three years before January 6th. And he said, under executive privilege, this stuff is protected information, belongs to the executive branch of government, and the legislative branch doesn't have the right to subpoena this. President Trump has claimed executive privilege I am not going to testify. This is called the separation of powers. Remember from uh, sixth grade, we learned about it. Just the way the president, the president doesn't get to get to send the Secret Service over to Congress, grab a congressman and drag him to the White House to be interrogated. See how the, the problems that would entail? It's the same way with the Congress trying to drag presidential staffers in. Okay, so this is basic separation of powers stuff. And and. That Steve Bannon was tried, criminally tried for contempt of Congress. Now, remember, Lois Lerner and Eric Holder both defied congressional subpoenas when they worked for Obama. But because they're Democrats, they didn't get in any trouble. Steve Bannon gets arrested and he's put on trial in a D.C., you know, D.C. courthouses full of 99 percent Democrat juries. The judge would not allow him to present any of his arguments in his own defense. The judge precluded every defense he could offer. So Steve Bannon just, they opened and then the defense rested. 
because they were not allowed to present a defense. Within the same day, he was convicted. And now Steve Bannon could face two years in jail for nothing to do with January 6th, for simply defying the purge trial committee in Congress. This is the end of democracy. And here's why. It's one thing when the regime goes after little fish, like those poor people on January 6th, the housewives, the grandmas who showed up and took selfies in the Capitol. It's bad enough that the whole federal establishment is being weaponized to put people like that in prison, while the Antifa rioters who burned down half of America in 2020 walked away unpunished. But when they start going after millionaires like Steve Bannon with national followings of tens of millions of people on his war room television show, which, by the way, best news, best political news out there, war room. They're going after millionaires with huge followings. That's how confident the Democrats are that they can shut down democracy. That's how arrogant they've become. They think they can start arresting conservative leaders. This is the kind of thing the Nazis were doing in 1933. After the Reichstag fire, January 6th was the Reichstag fire. This is the enabling act where the German right. Democrats all give Hitler absolute power right. and outlaw opposition parties. Right. That's where we are on the on the gathering cliff towards diving into the sea. That that's 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 exactly right. Um, now, John, uh, I, I just want to say that uh, there's a lot here, but the question is, wh- why do we think they've gotten so brazen? Is it part of it has to be desperation? In other words, they realize they're dead if they don't win. They have to win at all costs. And so they're going to do anything and everything they can conceivably get away with, especially while they still have Congress. Like Napoleon. I, I was watching on on Curiosity Stream a really interesting documentary on, on Napoleon. After a certain point, Napoleon knew he had to keep expanding, keep conquering more and more territories, because if he stopped and just tried to stay where he was, everything would collapse. So it, it's it's like a gambler's mentality. It's like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep doubling down and doubling down and doubling down because if you stop to rest, people look around and say, why is gas $8 a gallon? Why are there 3 million illegal immigrants who just walked into the country? Why does it turn out that the, the dead baby vax actually makes things worse? The shutdown was for nothing. And now... They're closed. They're trying to close down food production by 25 percent around the world, allegedly in the name of the climate. What is going on? They're grooming children to become they're trying to encourage them to develop gender dysphoria, to become transsexual. They're they're pushing child pornography into schools. Uh, drag queen story out. What is going on? It's madness. But but the reason we do this program, folks, is to let you know, most people know this is crazy and we need to stand. We need to do what we can. We need to, by God's grace, continue fighting uh, for democracy, for all that's good. We'll be right back talking to John Smirak. She saw my silver spurs and said, let's pass some time and I will give to you Summer wine. Oh, summer. Folks, welcome.
Welcome back. Talking to John Zmierak. In hour two, we talk again to Votestradamus. Our friend Kevin McCullough, Votestradamus, knows all, tells all. Uh, he's a 15th century French mystic uh, who, who brings his opinion on uh, the news of the day. Kevin McCullough is going to be with us. Now, John, I, I've threatened to tell a really disgusting story. Should I do that now or maybe I'll save it till till, till the next segment because we've got more to talk with about you. Too. Well, you know, every column I write starts with a disgusting story. Uh, <laughs> I, something I'm really outraged about and and it boils, it, it, it simmers in my head all day until it boils over about 6.30 at night and I bang out a column in about an hour then I proofread it, cackle with glee, and go get some bourbon and watch 30 Iraq reruns with the dog. I, I, um, now, by the way, I have to tell uh, my audience, I think I told you, um, you wrote a book about 20 years ago about a Swiss economist, or is he a German economist? He was a German refugee from the Nazis who ended up in Switzerland. Named William Rupke. With an umlaut over the O, or you could spell it R-O-E-P-K-E. Rupke, you wrote a wonderful biography about this Swiss German-born economist. And we've never talked about it on this program. I read the book. Now, the problem when, you, when you're sick and you read a book, you're, you're being sick affected. I, like, I'm not really interested in economics particularly but I, I forced myself because, you know, you, you wrote it and you're a good writer. But uh, at some point, we need to talk about that. Well, we also that. need to talk about the film De Gaulle, which I watched last night. Suzanne and I watched it. Remind the audience, when was that made? It's a French language film about the great Charles ago. De Gaulle. Three years ago. It's, it, it, it's available on YouTube. You can watch it for free, actually. Oh, OK. I think I think I saw it. We saw it on Amazon Prime. But yeah. De Gaulle. If you want to know what happened um, in France in the first uh, couple of years of the war, first year, it's, it's just amazing. What's most to interesting to me about the De Gaulle film is it shows one of De Gaulle's strongest motivations for fighting the Nazis and not collaborating with them like the whole rest of the French establishment. His beloved daughter had Down syndrome. And she was the light of his life and he adored her. And she, he took such exquisite care of her. Those children used to die at three or four back then because they'd be put in institutions. He took exquisite care of her. She lived to be 20 and she had a great life. And she was the light of de Gaulle's life. And he knew the Nazis were murdering thousands of innocent children just like her simply because they were seen as imperfect or defective. And I, that was one of the hidden motivations of Charles de Gaulle's heroic fight against the Nazis. And my book that you were talking about, Wilhelm Röpke, Swiss localist, global economist. He was the first professor fired by the Nazis for his ideas. He, in 1928, when the Nazis were still seen as a, a weird, harmless fringe party, he used his professor's salary to print up anti-Nazi leaflets and handed them out personally at the voting poll, at the polls. He was one of the first, the, the Gestapo were on his heels when he got out of the country with his wife. They went to Turkey and then to Switzerland. <clears throat> Wilhelm Röpke's books, he wrote them in, in Switzerland, which was kind of under Nazi siege. They were smuggled into Germany. And the leader, the future leaders of the Christian Democratic Movement formed their ideas for reconstructing a democratic Christian Germany 
by reading Rupke's books. And after the war in 1948, when total chaos, you know, the rubble of Berlin, it was Rupke who convinced the authorities to get rid of wage and price controls. And that is what caused the German economic miracle. So that within 10 years, Germans were living better than the French and English who had defeated them in the war. I, All of this. One of the big takeaways from the book that it just amazed me is is how Ropka is an unsung hero. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine how everything was just careening towards socialism. Uh, it was almost unthinkable. Free market economy. It, it was unthinkable. And this one man about whom you wrote an entire book, Wilhelm Rupke, he stood against this and made the case ultimately successfully, which allowed Germany to emerge from the post-war ashes, at least the Western part of Germany. Uh, it, it is a kind of a miracle of history. There's no question. And this is the first book anyone ever wrote on him in English. I wrote it back in 2001. It, it's it's so uh, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you were sharing with me that you had you had given the book to Roger Scruton. Yeah, the great philosopher Roger Scruton. We were ha- having coffee, I think, 2004 at NYU. He was about to speak there for the Young Republicans. And. I brought a copy of the book for him. He'd heard of Rupka, but had never read him. I gave it to him. Within a year, he had read all of Rupka's works and was citing Rupka all the time. And, and three years later, we were both the speakers at a conference on Wilhelm Rupka in America. And I gave one talk. He gave the next one. So that was really nice. That's 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 amazing. But it's just uh, hats off to you for the work involved in writing that book. I was just amazed, John, at your grasp of you know economics to be able to to to, to pull that off uh it j- just just amazing i don't know how the heck you do it but that was my I'm, first book before i moved into the realm of doctrinal humorous cookbooks like yeah, the exactly. catholic's guide to wine whiskey and song which is still one of my favorite things that I <laughs> right um well we've just got a few minutes uh left what uh what is the last article that you uh wrote about i haven't read it yet but you said why transphobia is good transphobia is good and should be official government policy uh basically tra- we should see transgenderism gender dysphoria as like anorexia or bulimia if you your daughter develops anorexia the loving thing to do is not to tell her okay yeah i guess you do look fat let me help you diet let me, let me restrict your caloric intake. I'm going to affirm your anorexic identity. I'm going to help you live this out. No, you seek intervention to try to help her with the cognitive distortions that are causing her to engage in self-destructive behavior. And that is what transgenderism is. It's self-destructive behavior, cutting off healthy breasts, cutting out healthy ovaries. Well, John, this is, this is what's shocking is this is common sense. This is absolute common sense. It couldn't be more commonsensical than what you've just said. But you've written an article about it at stream.org. When we come back, I want to tell my disgusting story. And, John, I want you to be there. Please, please don't go. We'll be right back. First, a 
that came for Alex Jones, but few people said anything because they didn't want to be perceived as supporting a conspiracy theorist. And then two and a half years later, the seated president of the United States, Donald Trump, was banned from every major social media platform in America, too, shocking the Republican establishment, while those of us who had been warning that this exact scenario was going to happen said, we told you so. An unperson is a term from George Orwell's novel 1984 that describes someone whose very existence has been erased from society. And this is basically what happened to Alex Jones in August 2018, four years ago now. So here's just a brief history lesson. Within the course of just a few days, he was banned from YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, the TuneIn radio app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Years of shows and interviews just disappeared. Thankfully, many conservatives, even those who thought that Alex was a little bit crazy, were quite concerned about his sudden disappearance from the internet. Even Senator Ted Cruz defended Alex. Others came to his defense as well, including Bill Maher. Is uh, thrown off Twitter, I think, and Facebook and a few other platforms. I think he's going to... Uh, Thank God! Uh, well... If you're a liberal, you're supposed to be for free speech. That's free speech for the free speech you hate. That's what free speech means. I don't like Alex Jones, but Alex Jones gets to speak. Everybody gets to speak. Many others were quite concerned about him getting unpersoned overnight, but were afraid to speak out against it because they didn't want to appear as if they supported him because of some of the outlandish things that he has said over the years. But the big tech companies all coordinating with each other to ban him was just a test case and the beginning of the censorship that was to come. The editor-in-chief of The Verge, one of Vox Media's online properties, started calling for Fox News to be taken off the air next. PBS did a report about Alex's deplatforming and in that report complained that he had inspired countless imitators who sell merchandise and then showed a clip of me from one of my YouTube videos promoting my popular t-shirts. Jones has spawned hundreds of imitators, mostly right-wing, anti-government conspiracy theorists, peddling merchandise and the real story the government doesn't want you to know about. Apple CEO Tim Cook then said it was a sin for social media platforms not to ban people the left deems hateful and divisive. He was given the first Courage Against Hate Award from the ADL for banning Alex Jones' podcast on iTunes. And during his acceptance speech, he said that he has only one message for those who seek to push hate. You have no place on our platforms. Of course, voting for Donald Trump is considered to be hate speech by the Silicon Valley Titans, and it won't be long now before they include negative tone of voice, contorted facial expressions, or even supposed code words and dog whistles into their terms of service as things they'll ban people for. If someone is reporting on a new television commercial featuring two gay men who are raising their adopted child as gender neutral and react with a disgusted look on their face or a sarcastic, I'm sure the child will grow up to be totally normal. That will likely be a violation of their policies. George Orwell warned against such thing in his classic novel, 1984, saying, quote, to wear an improper expression on your face, to look incredulous when a victory was announced, for example, was itself a punishable offense. There was even a word for it in Newspeak. Face crime, it was called, end quote. They'll start claiming that certain words or phrases or code words for something else, just like they've done with the OK hand sign, and then soon nobody will be safe from being smeared as a white supremacist, Islamophobe, homophobe, or xenophobe for saying certain facts out loud. The left are now engaged in a Maoist-style attempted overthrow of our culture and our country and are systematically purging influential dissenting voices from social media. But they don't just want prominent vocal opponents of the New World Order silence. 
against, they want our lives destroyed. They've developed a formula to take people down. First, a few unscrupulous liberal online outlets label certain conservatives alt-right or right-wing extremists, and then the editors at Wikipedia update those people's pages to claim they're white nationalists or Nazis, and then use those dubious reports as sources to solidify the smear. Then that causes a cascade of cancellations and continued censorship. We call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it, and they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. How far will this modern Maoism go, you wonder? Will Visa, MasterCard, or American Express deactivate certain accounts because the banks don't like what some people say or believe? Will Bank of America or Wells Fargo start closing people's checking accounts because they don't like their politics? Some banks are already doing just that. Chase Bank issued a letter to former Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio that they would be closing his account and he had until the end of the month to move all his money somewhere else. Then Joe Biggs, a former reporter for Infowars and Proud Boy member who banks at Chase, got the same notification. And Laura Loomer as well. After word spread of this shocking move, outraging many veteran groups because Joe Biggs is an Iraq veteran, Chase reactivated his account but wouldn't give him a reason as to why they had initially banned him. A senior software engineer at Google recommended the company delete Donald Trump's Gmail account and that of everyone working in his administration when he was the president. The software engineer also suggested that they brick Trump's phone. A brick phone, if you're not familiar with the term, means one that is completely deactivated and won't even turn on. So the engineer was literally recommending Google remotely disable Trump's phone, the president of the United States, since they're owners of the Android operating system, which it uses. We only know about this because the proposal was included in a series of documents obtained as part of a lawsuit filed by former Google employee James Damore, who was fired after circulating a memo about how the company's obsession with diversity is misguided. While the company didn't authorize those radical actions, Who's to say in the future Android or Apple won't ban certain people from using their phones? When you activate a smartphone, you agree to the terms and conditions, even though hardly anybody ever reads them. Those terms also say that the manufacturer can change the terms anytime they want. So what's to stop them from adding a clause that says they reserve the right to brick your phone or your computer if they feel you're engaging in certain kinds of behavior or speech that they find objectionable? Perhaps Google didn't want the publicity and the backlash of sabotaging the president of the United States cell phone, but what's to stop them from doing it to people who aren't as powerful or well-known? How far will the Silicon Valley titans go to stamp out vocal critics of the radical leftist agenda? Will video editing software companies deactivate their software on people's computers if they don't like the content they're creating? Will Photoshop not sell their software to artists who are making the wrong kind of memes? Or will Microsoft and Apple refuse to license their operating systems on the computers or smartphones of political activists, social media personalities, or authors they consider to be racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, or whatever? Or maybe their local ISP, internet service provider, won't even allow them to have an internet connection. Or will start blocking certain websites. What if Priceline or Orbitz decides not to sell you a plane ticket because they refuse to do business with hateful people? Well, Airbnb recently banned Michelle Malkin because she was a guest speaker at a 
conference whose ideas they disagree with. What's next? Is Enterprise not going to rent her a car? Or a popular gas station chain won't sell certain people gas? What if a major grocery store chain decides they won't sell you any food because you've been labeled an extremist by the liberal media? If Visa or MasterCard blacklist you, then you won't even be able to have a debit card. If no banks will allow you to have an account, how can you cash your paycheck? In the Bible, there's a prophecy in the book of Revelation that says one day nobody will be able to buy or sell anything unless they accept the mark of the beast, warning that people who don't worship the counterfeit Christ will be completely cut off economically from the modern world. And it appears that we're beginning to see the justifications for such widespread bans by those who control the backbone of the financial system. Even Coinbase a popular cryptocurrency exchange, has banned people like Gab's founder Andrew Torba and others from buying or selling Bitcoin. Listen, behind the sarcasm and jokes, I actually have a very serious message I'm trying to get across. I just code it in comedy a lot of times to make it more palatable. There's a method to my madness, I assure you. And if you like my videos, then you should really read my books because contained on those pages are the fully uncensored and very well sourced documentation and analysis of what it is that's going on. So order the liberal media industrial complex or Hollywood propaganda, how TV movies and music shape our culture in paperback from amazon.com or download the ebooks from any of the major ebook stores, Kindle iBooks, Nook, or Google Play. I really have to tone down my reports and my videos for obvious reasons, but wait until you get the full story in my books. So head on over to amazon.com or click the link in the description below and check them out. <laughs>